Hello everybody, welcome back to Cats Tea in Witchcraft. My name is Fauna and I am your host. This is episode 21 and I'm going to go over popular pantheons, some of their deities, and some tips on maybe finding or identifying who your patron gods are. If you're really not into working with gods or you might be an atheist witch, um, this might not be an episode for you, but if you are someone who is unsure or you've been trying to find someone to work with, when I mean someone, a deity to work with, and you might not have had any luck yet, this could be something for you. I'm not going to go over any of the pantheons in extensive detail because if I did that, I would literally have to dedicate an entire episode to each one or more because there is so much information and cultural background and just long, literally thousands of years worth of history for each pantheon so I'm not going to go over that today I'm going to go over just kind of what a pantheon is the top gods and goddesses that you might hear in regards to those pantheons and tips on what to do if you are looking for someone to work with and how to kind of like ease your way into that the pantheons that I'm going to go over today are pretty basic ones that you could probably find a lot of information on if you get the proper books or you find the right resources the ones I'm going to go over is Greek Roman Egyptian, Celtic, and Norse. So most of those are pretty popular and you've probably, you probably know a little bit about them anyway because at least Egyptian and Greek you might learn in school if you are at least maybe in the United States. I'm not sure if all states or areas do teach the same thing, but I guarantee you know a couple myths from at least one or two of those. So I'm going to use the term pantheon probably quite a bit in this episode. And what I mean by pantheon, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the overall concept of deities and the collection of them. So two definitions of what a pantheon is, is a pantheon is a particular set of all gods of any individual polytheistic religion, mythology, or tradition. And another definition is the gods of a particular mythology considered collectively. I'm also going to use the word myth because a lot of the stories and mythology that we hear about these gods and goddesses from these pantheons are very very old stories and I would like to say that in my view I don't think many of these stories are real stories just like other people view the Bible as a collection of good stories for good morals and just explanations of why things happen. That's probably what a lot of those were, just like little stories you tell children about how to learn things, little like um, nursery rhymes or songs like that. They're there to teach us things that we don't understand or don't understand yet, especially if you're young when it comes to nursery rhymes. If you believe that the myths which are traditional or legendary stories um, about heroes or gods or events and stuff like that, if you believe them to be like 100% true, that's fine. But just understand that not all people believe that as well because it also might depend on the story. Some seem to be a little more historical if they're not involving gods at all. Some can be like actually based off of historical things. Like when it comes to like Greek history, I think for a long time, the story of Troy was thought to be fake, but then they realized that that city and maybe the war itself of like Helen of Troy and all that stuff. I can't remember if it was, but I, 
I think I heard and might have learned that Troy was real and they thought it was fake, but just because evidence wasn't there made it seem like it was only just a story. So until there's proof that a lot of these things are real, just take it with a grain of salt. But if you truly believe everything is 100% accurate, that's fine. But at the same time, all stories, all myths, all books are man-made. And man and women, so humankind, tends to write things in their perspective or in a way that they understand. Or it's like the idea of history is written by the winners, not the people on the opposite side. So we might only know what the author or those who pass these stories on orally so especially because a lot of these stories were passed on orally for a long time which means they were not written down so the original stories could be very different from what we have left over today so the first pantheon that i'm going to go over is the greek pantheon and i'm just going to go over the gods i'm not going to go over any celebrations or ancient like actual religious beliefs that go with it or even modern religious beliefs because there are some pantheons that are almost kind of more have like official religions again like with norse mythology there is a asatru and stuff like that so i'm not going to go over those things because I am not part of those religions. I do not know what their practices are, but I'm just going to go over the information that we have on the gods. So the first one I'm going to go over is Greek. And it says, from what I have been able to find, some of the Greek gods were worshipped in Greece, parts of the Asian Minor, Sicily, and southern Italy, and I'd assume other ancient Greek colonies. The first god is Zeus. He is the god of the sky, the chief god of all of the Greek gods, so the ruler god, the head honcho. He's the protector, the father of all gods and humans, and he is usually represented by a lightning bolt or an eagle. The next one is Athena. She is the goddess of war, handicraft, wisdom, and she was also the patron of Athens. That's where the name came from, Athens, Athena. And a lot of the time she's represented by an owl. Another one is Hades. He is the god of the underworld and pretty much has rule over all those who died because when you're dead you would go to the underworld. Then there is Ares. He is the god of war. Then there's Apollo. He is the god of divine distance and the god of crops and herds. He's also said to have been the god of archery, music, dance, truth, prophecy, healing, and diseases, and even the sun and light and poetry he is sometimes associated with. So there's a lot of little things for him. Some gods have more things they are representations of than others, but it doesn't make one or more more important. After Apollo, I have Demeter. She is the goddess of agriculture, grain, and also is the goddess of health, birth, and marriage. Following that is Dionysus. He is the god of fruitfulness, vegetation and also the god of wine and ecstasy the last god i have for greek is the goddess hecate she is very popular in the witch community and she is the goddess over magic and spells so kind of like the uh, mother goddess in greek pantheon of witches and magic the next pantheon that i have is roman so a lot of the roman gods were influenced and this could kind of make some people mad i think because 
Some people think that all gods are the same gods, just with different names from different cultures. And some people are like, no, they're completely different creatures. They're completely different deities and stuff like that. But it is known that Roman history and Roman society and Roman gods were influenced by other older cultures such as Greek and Egyptian deities. The first god I have for the Roman gods is Jupiter. He is the king of the gods, the sky god, so he is very similar in some aspects to Zeus. And he has control over the weather and forces of nature and, of course, also uses thunderbolts to give warnings to the people of Rome. The first goddess I have is Juno. She is the goddess of light and the moon. She embodies all the virtues of Roman matronhood, childbirth, and fertility. Next is Neptune. He is the god of the sea. Pluto is the god of the underworld. Mars is the god of war and the protector of Rome. The next one is Diana. She is the goddess of wild beasts and the harvest moon, but also the goddess of the hunt and protector of women in childbirth. The last one I have for Roman is Minerva. She is the goddess of commerce, industry, education, war, doctors, musicians, and craftsmen. So now we're moving on to Egyptian, and those gods and goddesses of Egypt were worshipping Egypt, probably parts of Rome. Um, they said that there are some cults because of the, how close these areas were to each other. There were kind of intermixing of the gods a little bit and beliefs in possibly parts of Greece as well because ancient Egypt and Greece were pretty old and I think they're older than like what Roman society was so they had a little bit more time to intermingle a little bit. So the first one is Osiris. He is the god of the underworld and the judge of the dead. Following Osiris is Isis. She is pretty much portrayed as a selfless, giving mother, wife, and protectress. Um, and she is a goddess that puts all of her interests into other people above her own self. And she is the protectress of sailors and merchants. From what I was trying to find, I couldn't find exactly what she was the particular goddess of, um, but maybe overall she was just a protectress goddess. There is more to her, obviously, but I was just looking for like very simple keywords and information like that. Um, so if you know more of that, feel free to send me some of those links just because I was crunching on time with finding accurate stuff and I don't have books of my own on Egyptian gods, so I was trying to find most of my sources online for my Egypt facts. Next is Horus. He is the sky god and represents the heavens, and, and it is said that his eyes represent the sun and the moon. Next is Anubis. He is the god of the dead. Then there's Ra. He is the god of the sun and the creator god. After that is Toth. I think it's pronounced off. It's spelled T-H-O-T-H, -H, and it said he is the god of the moon, of reckoning, learning, and writing. And the last one I have is Bast. I think it's pronounced Bast. She is the goddess of the home, women, secrets, cats, fertility, and childbirth. Generally, she is represented as a cat or symbolized as a cat. And if you know anything about ancient Egypt, we know they loved their cats. So that was all for the Egypt pantheon that I have. The next is the Celtic pantheon or Celtic deities. They are said to have been worshipped in the Iberian Peninsula, Ireland, France, England, and Wales. The first one I have is Anna or 
Donna or Dana, not sure which is right. And it said she is the goddess of nature, prosperity, wisdom, death, and regeneration. After that is Dagda. He is the chief of the gods associated with fertility, agriculture, weather, masculine strength, magic, wisdom, knowledge, and druidity. After that is Angus, I think, and is the god of love. After that is the god Lu. He it represents warriors, thunderstorms. After that is Morrigan. She is the goddess of fate and war. The next goddess is Breed. She is the goddess of healing, spring, and smithcraft. After Breed is Belenus and is the sun god and represents healing. And the last one I have is Camulos. I do not think I pronounced that right, and it's spelled C-A-M-U-L-O-S, and said he is a god of war. The last pantheon that I have is the Norse pantheon, and these gods were worshipped in Norway, Iceland, parts of Germany, or what we know as Germany today, and Sweden, so those areas in northern Europe and Iceland and stuff like that. So the first one that most people have, I hope, hope have heard of is Odin. He is the all-father, the god of war, poetry, dead, runes, magic, knowledge, wisdom, and healing. He is the god of a lot of stuff. Then there is Freya. She is the goddess of love, beauty, fertility, sex, war, and gold. She is also the goddess that received half of those who died in battle and they would go to her hall. And I think it's pronounced Folkwagner or hopefully something close to that while Odin would get the other half and they would go to Valhalla. The next god is Freyr. He is the god of sacral kinship, peace, prosperity, good weather, and associated with good harvests. After that is Frigg. She is the goddess of motherhood and marriage. After that is another goddess, and her name is Hel. She is the goddess of death in the underworld to those who did not die in battle. And is also said to have been the goddess of ancestral wisdom. Following Hel is Thor. He is the god of thunder, the sky, and agriculture. The next one is a very popular and favorite one, and that one is Loki. He is a trickster god and the god of fire. Following Loki is Idun. She is the goddess of spring and rejuvenation, and she was also the wife of Bragi. He was, I think, the god of poetry. Um, she is also the keeper of golden apples, so some magic immortality apples that the gods would eat to preserve their youth. The next god is Tyr. He was apparently the god that was concerned with formalities of war, um, treaties. He was also very big into justice and it is said that he's a guardians of oaths and also good faith the next goddess is scotty and she is the goddess of the wilderness the next god is balder he is the god of light joy purity and the summer sun so that is all the deities that i wanted to go over with you today on those few pantheons if any of those interest you and you want to do research on them, please do your own personal deep dive into any of those pantheons or other pantheons that I did not mention and you want information on. The next half of this episode that I'm going to go over is 
information in regards to maybe trying to identify a deity that might be reaching out to you or if you don't care about one reaching out to you and you just want to pick one or a couple that you tend to vibe with that's what I'm going to go over. So just so you know you don't need to work with gods if you don't want to and you don't have to work with a particular god that someone else tells you you should. All of our experiences are very different and it is all up to you but please make sure you do your research and I'm going to say that a lot in the next few minutes. So what are some ways that you can learn about other deities and other pantheons or just learn more information on the pantheons that I mentioned today? The first thing is to read their mythologies. Read as much as you can on maybe even other people's experience with them but at the same time what one deity is to you might not be the same response or might not get the same results as someone else will. And they might not get the same results as you would get. If you're trying to reach out to deities or like having like a moment to where you are openly inviting deities to reach out to you, some things you can do is you can meditate and focus on making a connection with a god that you're interested in if there is a particular one you want to make a connection with or if you're just allowing any of them to kind of come to you just make sure you kind of make a safe space because you never know what you might be allowing to come towards you you can use when you're meditating or making your safe space you can use oils incense crystals you can even leave out offerings for them if there's a particular god or goddess you do want to invite maybe do some research on the type of incense oils and offerings that might attract them Sometimes they might not even come to you while you're awake or meditating. A lot of people have experiences while they're sleeping and things will come to them in their sleep. It's not always going to be literally a god walking to you like a person in your dream. Sometimes it's symbolism. It could be an animal. It can be a repetitive symbol. Anything of the sort. But it's your responsibility to do research on it and dive into it. A lot of the time for people, they try really, really hard to make a connection to a god while they're sleeping and doing some dream magic or just like focusing on a thought that I'd like to have this deity come to me or any deity come reach out to me in my dream. I'm like speaking it into existence. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all on your time. A lot of the time, for many people, it happens when they least expect it. For me, I think I was having signs for years, but I did not think the god and goddess that I work with were what the signs I was getting. I was like pushing away. I was like, no, it's just because I'm doing research and I like this type of thing. I was pushing it away and stuff like that. And then I eventually came to the conclusion that I was being called upon but I just didn't want to go with the first thought that popped into my head because for the most part, when I make decisions, I don't like to act quickly. I like to act slowly. And unless I have like enough information and things to go off of, I don't want to like act rashly. And so that's why it took me so long to like listen to the call that I was receiving. And the ones that I work with, um, at least one of them, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I feel like it's very basic and very common, blah, blah, blah. And then it came down to is I, I'm just ignoring what is reaching out to me and I don't want to be disrespectful. So I'm going to allow that connection to be met. But if you do have these signs and these messages come to you during the day or even when you're sleeping, if you notice 
patterns, write them down, do research on what they mean and how you feel when you see them and stuff like that, just like you would do for any other signs and symbols when you're doing magic. Keep track of things because patterns are a very big thing. If you see something once, it's probably a coincidence. If you see something online, it is probably the algorithm. So just because, for example, you see the images of Hecate pop up on TikTok, in YouTube, it on your Facebook page, it's probably because you've either liked a video or you typed something in doing research and so Google or whatever search results that you're doing are saying, hey, this person wants to see these things. So make sure you understand that when you use the internet, you're going to see more of the things that you like and search for. So I guarantee you're probably not going to get these signs off of TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook. And some people don't care if a god is reaching out to them. They will pick a god that they like and just work with them. And in that case, that's cool. Some people don't feel the same connections as other people. So if there's a particular one that you've just always been drawn to, which could be the draw that you were looking for, but you didn't make that connection. But otherwise, you could just be like, yeah, I decided to work with this god or goddess and I thought it was pretty cool. I'm just going to stick with it. So be it. Like, if that works for you, that works for you. Also, as you grow in your path, you might add a couple gods and goddesses to your practice, or you might stop working with other gods and goddesses. So if you feel one is drawing to you more later in life because you have evolved as a person, the things that you like have changed, and the connections that you've made have been altered, it is okay. If you want to separate yourself from an old deity, just have a moment, be respectful, and do what you feel is right for that situation. If you do find yourself being drawn to or called upon by multiple deities, keep in mind that if you work with a lot of them, it could take a lot of time and energy out of you because there are so many minutes and hours in the day, you only have a limited amount of resources and even energy that you can put out. So don't feel like, and I would advise against having more than just a few that you work with regularly. Maybe you can learn about other deities and if you feel like another deity has a particular strength you wanna work with, Make a connection, kind of like you do with friends. But I guarantee, just like with friends, you can have a lot of friends, but you're only going to have a few best friends. So don't have a hundred gods that you work with on a regular basis because I doubt you will be able to find enough time to work with them, give them the proper amount of energy and, and attention that you want. Because you're also going to, if you want to make an altar for all the deities that you work with, you're eventually going to run out of space. Also, depending on your cultural beliefs and maybe even your ancestral background, it could depend and vary which god and goddesses that you are attracted to or particular pantheons that you might want to work with. Some people, like me, I do not feel comfortable working with gods outside of my ancestral lineage, but there are others that do not mind working with gods outside of their own lineage. I have, or I have known some people who are not of African or Egyptian descent that work strictly with Egyptian gods and goddesses. So it all comes down to how you do it and your personal beliefs. I do want to put this out there that my choice of working with European-based deities is not out of like a race thing. It's more out of an ancestral connection because 
as far that I know is that I am mostly of Northern European descent. So I just feel like I have a little bit more of a connection with those gods and deities. I have friends that are black and Asian and they only work with European deities. And that is because that is who they made connections with. So it all depends on what you feel comfortable with and what you feel drawn to as well. If you do work with deities outside of your own cultural background or ancestral lineage, it is your responsibility to learn as much about the cultures as possible and about those gods. Make sure you know enough how to respectfully work with them, honor them, and understand the deities that you feel like you are drawn to or are calling out to you. If you are very active in the online witch communities, you might also experience or see that there are people who tell you that you can never work with deities outside of your own race or culture. Um, it's a it's a very weird topic and a lot of it comes down to cultural appropriation and what's right and wrong and stuff like that. So if you do, please be respectful. And if you want to work with deities that are connected to a particular closed practice, I would encourage to do your research, but also maybe reach out to people in those communities to see how they think it should work and if there are deities or practices within those cultures that might actually be dangerous for you to work with, please don't be offended if someone tells you no who is within that own community, especially if it's hereditary. I doubt and I hope it's not because they are racist. There are some communities and practices that do want to keep their practices private and they don't want it to be, it, this is hard to say, they don't want it to be diluted because there are situations where if you are not from a particular culture, you might just not 100% understand the practices because it is a very sacred situation to particular groups. So even if you've read a lot of books on say hoodoo or voodoo or santeria, I'm just using these as examples because these are practices that tend to be considered closed practices. If you do reach out to a community and you want to feel a little bit more legitimized or you want to make sure you're doing things correctly, don't act like you know better than them because you probably don't, especially if these groups are hereditary or they are have long lines of experience or they've been doing these things literally since they were born. So please don't be offended if someone says no. It looks bad if you do something like that and you act like you know better and stuff like that. And it's just like, no, just because you've read books doesn't mean you truly understand certain aspects. It can be just as bad as people who are like, fake yogis and I'm not saying fake as they've never done yoga or they aren't properly trained in yoga it's like those who act like they are a lot better than others who might have a very different or more traditional experience in them but it's just like don't act like you are better than others just because you've read some books or you've taken some classes or maybe you've even be certified especially if some of these things come from a culture that is not your own. You are not better than anyone who has traditionally and hereditary come from these practices, but don't act like you are like 
what I'm trying to say, oh, it's just hard for me to say this sometimes. It's like, don't try to act extra spiritual and all like, woo, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, I'm at peace and everything has to be love and light and blah, 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 and this and that. And you're just like, namaste all the time. Don't overdo it. Don't like, oh, just, just don't overdo it. Oh my gosh, I'm kind of getting mad at this because I am someone who likes to experience different cultures. And since I use yoga as an example, there are particular yoga instructors or people who are in the witchcraft community that just put on such a fake facade or a face just because they think that's what people want to see and it might truly be what they want to be but sometimes they just have a stick up where it needs to be pulled out of and they need to face reality in that what they are doing isn't all perfect and they don't need to act perfect and they don't need to act all girly or super like flowy all the time be a person, be a human. We know you're human, but also don't act better than other people and don't act like you have all the answers either because you probably do not if you think you do. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that additional rant. I feel like almost every episode I have some sort of rant about something that really bothers me, but I want to also use this podcast as a way to express how I feel and maybe someone else feels the same way or maybe they are doing something and they don't realize they're doing it and that it actually bothers people. Um, so I hope that wasn't too harsh, um, but I just, I just need to say things sometimes. So there's one last thing I want to bring up. It's a little ranty, but not super, super ranty. It's just kind of more going back to when you're finding and working with deities. Uh, I want to finish this episode off actually talking about it. So when you are working with deities, energies, or spirits, they are helping you. I have probably said this in a past episode, but they are not your servants. You need to be respectful. You need to be kind. And you need to get to know them just like you would with any friend in real life. You need to build a trusting relationship and do not treat them badly. Also, don't worry about needing to leave offerings all the time. I leave unopened bottles of mead on my altar and I just call it a day. When sometimes I'll get flowers or I'll buy some plants, I'll leave them around the area and hopefully they live a while and then I'll just keep watering them um, and if it's just like bits of food or anything as such I'll leave it for a little bit but not long enough to where it'll rot it will cause bugs or it'll just be unhealthy to keep there too long if you have food that you do offer or drinks leave it out for a little bit but then give it back to the earth and maybe you can bury it or put it somewhere outside where it can naturally decompose and not stink up your house so we have now arrived to the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it and it gave you a little bit of guidance on things that you can do or maybe some pantheons that might interest you. If you have any additional questions on maybe some ways to identify some deities that you want to work with or other energies and such, feel free to leave me a message. You can message me on the podcast Instagram at Cats Tea and Witchcraft, on Twitter at Cats Tea and Witch, and you can also send an email at Cats Tea and witchcraft podcast at gmail.com i hope you guys enjoy this episode i appreciate every single one of you and i will talk to you guys next week have a good one blessed be